Foley wins. Sydney. Yes. 600 pounds. Foley was a client. And then Foley cooked. 600 took the pounds. That's a heavy guy. So, uh, oh, God. Oh, I thought, that couldn't be a joke. He must misunderstand me. And he, I did the no, money. he's written it in a poster. <laughs> if pounds come up, confuse weight with old currency. <laughs> Underscore will crush. Hello and welcome along to the Community Notice Board. I might get a mm, out of wow. angle. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's, nice. Yeah, that's what I want. A oh, super wow. cut of. Wow. Wow. That's funny. You know, I'm struggling with the story <laughs> if I finish and I go, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, look at the guest hasn't laughed once. They're <laughs> checking their phone. I'm just saying, <laughs> I've been there so many times. And that's, the, and I guess I thought I'd bring that up because <laughs> I thought it was interesting. And that's the way the news goes. <laughs> Anyway, what do you guys got? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a very quick one. <laughs> Where one's bombed to say, anyone else got anything? Oh, shit. Welcome um, to Community Notice Board's biggest secrets. Uh, revealed. On the inside, behind the magic. <laughs> I think people, I think people <laughs> can tell. <laughs> it's not a huge secret. The only podcast where you can hear the flop sweat. <laughs> 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 All right, let's kick this bad boy. Oh, Hello. Hey. Welcome. No. <laughs> Don't like that. Jesus Christ. It's just answering like <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Community Notice Board Podcast, a podcast about suburbs we grew up in, local landmarks, hometown heroes, and coming-of-age tales. We've got a very special show today. No guests! Yes. Yes. It's just the way you like it. It's the way we, we like it. We finally wore Jamie down. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've done... This is, I think, like our seventh riding solo episode. Yeah. Okay. And every week you could see that dip. No, it's fine. The it's, fans love it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. If you guys love it. By this po- at this point now, people are like, we're tuning in for the chemistry. Yeah, the chemistry, the the hearing the sweat, yeah, exactly. oh, yeah. The, the big pause when Jamie takes a sip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we all take one simultaneously and like think of something funny while, while the beverage warms my insides. So today we're covering a big Sydney suburb. Uh, we're talking about the Rocks, a very famous yeah. place with a lot of history. Criminal very ghosts, mm-hmm. businesses. It's got it all, baby. Very small geographically. It's only a little little yeah. sliver, but yeah. a lot. I literally a lot think we it. don't know anyone from the Rocks. Well, you couldn't really. Yeah. I mean, it's such a weird, like little. No, it's like almost a museum at the moment. Yeah, it's 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 a touristy strip. Or something, I yeah. guess. And history, and it's it's like old Sydney town in Sydney, really. Like yeah. that's. Well, there was Sydney also was. famously like the serious building, which had yes. the big controversy. Yeah. So yeah. I think there was like a. Well, it had a lot of like. Point? A, yeah. No, I think it's technically the rocks. Because there's yeah. a lot of like low income housing, and that was a big thing where people pushed them out to, of course, make high rises. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I got plenty on that. Don't worry. Great. <laughs> Drew well, that was plenty for that. that was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a real leading push. Um, the Drew fir- works for Century 21 real estate. <laughs> He's like, this will look great. <laughs> but we're, we're also drinking, by the way, on the rocks. We are. Uh, because we always have to cut. The, the pod works backwards. We think of a drink we want to drink. <laughs> and then we go, where can we do? So we're drinking on the rocks. So we're going to be very silly by the end. But um, yeah, we've got some, some interesting shit. Drew, did you want to kick us off? Well, I was just going to say it was my first time in sydney when i was an adult like not coming with parents or anything me and my girlfriend came up to sydney for a little romantic getaway Hell every yeah. other time you come up with your parents with your girlfriend hey i hear rustling <laughs> where did you stay um uh, i can't remember what the hotel was called it's like an old um just like 
boutique one, but I know where it was because it was just, it was on Argyle Street, I think, because it was down, I remember going to a wine bar that was on the corner of, I think it's Harrington and Argyle, right, where that little corner thing meets mm-hmm. and they have the rocks mm-hmm. like markets there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just being like, because I just didn't know much about Sydney. I was like, like this is Sydney. Did you say a boutique hotel, was it the Russell by any chance? Possibly, I can't remember, that was a while ago. But that's such a Sydney, like, I think the first time I came to Sydney, I would have stayed at, like, um, Darling Harbour. Because it's like, that's Sydney. That's you know, Sydney. Or yeah, CBD, yeah, like, yeah. You, you just be, like, in York but Street. Oh, man, a bunch I of loved it. We went to, we went to the, um, I think it was, was, back then was called, like, still called Lohenbrau, the German, yeah. like, beer yeah. restaurant. And yeah. I, was I think like, it's yeah. still called that, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. I don't know. But I, at the time, I was like, this place is built for me. I was there, like, <laughs> just getting hammered on these beers. I was probably 18 or 19. And... Then, of course, they start the umpa music. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'd had enough, uh, like, you know, pork umpa knuckle juice. and beers and umpa juice. <laughs> and they were like, look, there's a real umpa. umpa. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get him up here. I did. I got up on stage. I invaded the stage and I was like, running the fence. Umpa, umpa, dupati, drunk. Drew's not orange. He's all red from just eating pork knuckle and beer. Like, he's dressed up. <laughs> this guy's uh, fell in the Riff River. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I remember. And you were there with your girlfriend? Oh yeah, she was embarrassed. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love the had to get my own hotel room that night. <laughs> yeah, because they had that extensive schnapps menu there too. Yeah. Once you're finishing through the beer, we made it like a mission when we were in uni to try taste all of them. But like you go through like like apple and you're like, ooh, nice. And then they have like a special German one that's like 50. percent You drink that and you're like, oh my god, I can't see anymore. I'm never going for flavors that I've never heard of again. <laughs> I remember I got a story about a Lombra actually because like the Lombra was kind of a place. When you were from the hills, I reckon, like the sit, our theory was that like you only knew the Sydney city by like three landmarks, which was the Lawnbrow, Star Bar, and the Casino. So that's oh. you'd always go to like the shittiest bars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Lawnbrow, the Lawnbrow is a great bar, but like you go there every week, and it's very touristy, and it begins to wear. But it has that upstairs area. Ah, uh, fucking tourist. Dancing on yeah, the table, yeah. something. <laughs> He's all red and shit. <laughs> they had the upstairs like nightclub called Uber Bar. Do you remember no. that? So like upstairs, after like a certain amount of time, like I think like past ten, they'd open up the upstairs and it was just kind of like a big wooden like high, almost like a high school dance dance hall, mm. and they'd just play like music and people like that would <laughs> boys be boys on one side, girls on the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking yeah. at their shoes, me in Can't. the middle, red ass. <laughs> but that would be like the kind of place where like they'd play fucking like stuff like the Nutbush or K Sand and stuff. So like. If you're downstairs trying to have a beer, it'd just be a ton of, like, drunk Australian kids from the hills stamping on the fucking thing. But one time I went there when I was in uni and I was living in Eastwood with uh, my simpleton friend Davis. And I've talked about Davis's dad on this podcast before, I believe, right? <laughs> and just for reference, what he looks like kind of is if you've ever seen the movie Master of the Skies with Dana Carvey where he dresses as the two turtly for Turtle oh, Club right. man. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. exactly what he looks like, just so <laughs> you can Google that. He's, got a shell. he's a bit of a strange man. We've been through it in other episodes. He's writing, he was writing a book about the letter O and all that stuff. But he liked to get around the place in like sarongs, like a ugly, <laughs> short David Beckham, you know. He's not ugly. He isn't a lovely oh, man. But he's like, a he's like Dana Carvey in character <laughs> as a turtle. He's but hot. He's a, he's <laughs> but um, yeah, so he was like a bit of an eccentric, and I was like a... Not living at Davis's place at this point, but like I was staying there like all the time, especially on weekends. And his dad was still living there in this like pigsty room that he had. And uh, I went out for this thing that Davis wanted to go meet this girl. 
And he was like, there'll be girls there for you, you know? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And we get there, there's like no girls for me. But this girl is like all over Davis, like immediately takes them upstairs. I'm 19, no confidence. So like, they're all like fucking nut bushing around. I'm like just slowly like shuffling to some girl being like, you want to? And they like just like go back to their beers and oh stuff. And so eventually like Davis and, his, uh, Davis and this girl like start hooking up and I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm next to him being like, you guys are having a good time, you know? But eventually- <laughs> And I, I'm not ruining yeah, it. Yeah. Well, eventually I realized I'm wearing out my welcome and I was like, oh man, like Davis come here. And he was like, yeah, what? And I was like, I'm going to go. It looks like you're doing well with this woman. And he goes, yep. And I go, I'll just catch a train back. And so I catch a train back and uh, about, you know, five minutes from the stop at Eastwood, I realized like, I don't have keys because I don't technically live at this place. Like, I because I'm there so much and I'm always with Davis, like I just kind of walk in and out, but I don't have any keys. Davis isn't answering his phone. This is pre-iPhone. So it's probably dead or like he's just too busy hooking up with this girl and he's unreliable as fuck anyway. So I'm like, oh shit, what am I going to do? And I just start walking the place. And Dave's dad is like kind of like a night owl. He's up at all hours of the night. And so I'm like, oh, look, I'll just take my chances. Like, it's rude, but I'll knock on the door. And if I wake him up, I'll just explain what's happened and it'll be fine. And so, like, I knock on the door and there's nothing. But, like, I can see a light on from the outside balcony. So I try again. I knock. And then, like, I hear some, like, rustling. And then I hear, like, a, who is it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's, it's Jamie, man. Like, just, uh... Isaac is still out and I had to go home. I don't have keys. Can you let me in? And he goes, oh, oh, yep. One second, please. And I just hear like this jogging towards the door. Like he's running towards it. And I was like, he must be excited to see me, you know? <laughs> and cause it, it was like a place with a deadbolt too. So like he opens the deadbolt and like looks through and goes, Jamie, what's up? And I was like, um, oh yeah. So Isaac was out with this girl. He's still with her. And he was like, good stuff. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, and I was like, so I just came home to go to bed and I look at him and like, it doesn't look like he's wearing very much. I thought he might just be getting around in the sarong. And he goes, okay, I'll let you in. And he uh, he closes the door and you hear the deadbolt go. But then he doesn't open the door. But I hear him scampering back. So I open the door and I catch him like nude running towards the couch because he just hadn't put on clothes. <laughs> and then so he like, as I open the door, he, he just like crouched behind the couch and was just like, Jamie, man, what's up, dude? <laughs> and then instead of being like, hey, I'm nude, I'm just going to go put on some pants, sat like behind the couch, crouched completely naked and talked to me for 40 minutes oh about God. the night. Oh. And never at any point was he just like, yeah, I should put on some pants. So he's like, so tell me everything about this girl. And oh I'm like, dude, I was like, your penis is brushing against my couch bed, man. Drape <laughs> <laughs> the sarong on, dude. Yeah. Or just be like, I'm naked. I'm sorry. You live with me. Deal with it. I'm, <laughs> or, I'm weirder in other ways. Or, you know, just be like, hey, I'll open the door. Just let me put on some pants. <laughs> but I guess I must have interrupted his creative process. But he was, like, down there for ages. So I could see, like, his little bald head, like, poking <laughs> over. And it's just like, you know, he's like a baby. I'm just like, tying my shoes down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just down there being like, yeah, this is comfortable. This is how I always sit. Oh, in man. between the hall and the lounge room. It must have sucked living in... That part is like so far out of having to go all the way to Sydney to then to go to like shitty fucking tourist bars. Uh, Eastwood wasn't too bad when you did that because it was, it was like a half hour train ride, but we just like didn't know better. Like yeah, okay. Newtown was like a fucking speck in our eyes. Like we mm. hadn't even heard of it. So it's yeah, just like yeah, yeah. we go into these bars because these are the bars that people talk about. We're not, and this is also kind of pre, I guess, like. You know, like timeout urban list stuff yeah. where it's like, check out this cocktail bar. We're just like, where does everyone go so, so we can meet them? I don't know how I would have looked up where to go anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
I have, well, I would have no idea except like, you know, or, you, or a friend goes. Somewhere your dad or your parents used to go, they go to Lombard, like it <laughs> yeah, went off in the 70s yeah, and you go there now yeah. and it's just fucking, you know. And um, there, is a, there is a comedy room there. Well, was. Hold on. In one? The Rocks, the Argyle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had some good times there. Yeah. Did you? I had, I, like, that was always weird because it was like a, it was a Monday night. It was like quasi open mic, you know. One of the worst physical rooms for comedy. Very bad physical room, but it's also like the, you know, there's one of those clubs that's clearly like a nightclub and the security guards are not used to. You know, being security for yeah. open mic yeah. comedy, especially on a Monday night. Yeah, so, so they're really like buffing, like, "What do you mean you're not? What are you up to, man? Like, <laughs> I'm just coming in to do an unpaid five minutes set. If it's okay." <laughs> I was like, I was there once, and uh, it was the only time I got to do it because I used to run gigs on Mondays. So people used to be like, "Oh, our guy was pretty cool. You should give it a try when you got a week off, like cactus juice." And I think like once I stopped doing it, the woman who runs it is so like great, yeah, Talia. Talia, and well. she was like, "Do you want to MC this room?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. You know, easy money." Like, just emceeing an open mic, crush up top, keep it rolling, baby. Mm -hmm. No bits in between. You just keep it, it rolling. Is. Exactly. <laughs> and so I said yes, and I walked there, and uh, uh, I think, like, the day before, she was like, I'm not actually going to be there on the night. And Talia is, like, a very friendly, outgoing person, so she's good at bringing people into the club and stuff. Like, she goes downstairs and does the roundup, something that I am averse to. In <laughs> fact, her, you go down the, and disperse the yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> her audience, just audibly fart. <laughs> and her audience used to be, like, a family, like, reunion sometimes. Yeah, so exactly. She'd have a table, she'd be like, that's Nana, my mom, that's my, yeah, yeah, my yeah. auntie over there. And some of the best audience, they'd be sitting there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Nana, her Nana would be just, like, <laughs> hollering at you, it's a stupid joke about So me, me and past guest Ben Koshin used to invented the rule that we did we wouldn't do roundups to get people into our open mic rooms because uh we didn't want to interrupt people's nights and like that you don't want to bring people into you a comedy night <laughs> you don't want to bring people justified you don't want to bring people into a comedy night that aren't keen already you know if you're talking to two people on a date and you're just like hey come and watch some comedy those people are probably not going to be very good yes it's because we were scared <laughs> but that's the rule we instituted so she was like so talia was like i'm not going to be there and i was like oh fuck this could be like a this could be a tougher one. But she was like, it's all set up to run. My mum is running the show and you've met her. And I had, and she's really cool. Her name's is Nirit, I think. And she's also great. She's very funny too. Mm. And um, so she's just like, just check in with her. She'll sort the show out. And I'm like, yep, cool. So I get there with like maybe <laughs> like 15. I love how like your, my, my mum had to pick me up from cricket training, you know, and she'd be like, I got, you know, I got to do all this. Like, I got to wash the shirts for my son's footy team. <laughs> and Talia's mum's like, oh, I got to go down and run Talia's open mic <laughs> yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah. I just imagine my dad running cactus juice, like telling yeah. the crew, like no riffs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I get there and it's like 15 minutes and like I say hi near it and I'm like, hey, like, I'm um, MCing. Do you remember me? And she's like, Yeah, of course I remember you. She's so friendly and gregarious. Mm -hmm. And she was like, So all we got to do now is like the roundup. <laughs> and I was like, Ah, oh, what do you mean? She was like, Well, you're the MC. You're in charge of the show. So you go down and ask all the people to come up. And I was like, Ah, oh, I wasn't told I had to do a roundup for this gig that I'm not running. And there was like no one in the room, maybe like two people. And she was like, Well, you need to do it if you need to get an audience. And I was kind of like. It's kind of weird, like, as an MC to go and, like, ask yeah. people to come watch you and then you're the first person they see. What I'm trying to say is, is Talia's grandma here? Because I feel like <laughs> <laughs> we could send her no, a no, couple it, of laps. It gets much worse. Oh, so she was, so Nira was like, I tell you what, like, I'll do the roundup. And she was like, but you come with me. And I was like, 
uh, why? And she was just like, just because like that's how it'll work. And I was like, okay. This is like a mum with a kid at preschool taking around to make friends. Yeah. Like, is there something you want to say, JB? Yeah, literally. <laughs> so like we go down and this is my fucking worst nightmare in the world. I'm like, she is incredible. Like she could have done this by herself with no problem and got 40 people in there. I would have come on fresh. They'd never have seen me and been like, this guy's pretty good at comedy. Yeah. What they did see was her like dragging me from table to table and being like, hi, guys, are you enjoying your night? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, what are you here for? You just having some dinner? Oh, wow, that looks lovely. Is that a steak? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, just letting you know, we have comedy on this uh, lovely, handsome man about four steps behind me is Jamie. <laughs> oh. He would do the roundup, but he's shy. Oh, <laughs> no. Jamie's playing his Game Boy. Shut up. He's <laughs> like, I can't be like, no, I'm not shy. I'm not shy. Because I'm like a meter behind her looking at the floor just being like, yeah, it'll... It would be pretty good, you oh. know? And so she managed to get like 20 people and I could not have bombed harder oh. to them. Because to them, I was just the guy standing behind them. They're like, why don't we just get the mom on? She yeah. could at least crowd. So I'm trying to crowd work them and they're like, before you couldn't even fucking ask us if we're having steak for dinner. You That's know? Like, unbelievable. You could have easily said, yeah, I'll do the roundup, go down, hide in the corner, come <laughs> up. No takers. Yeah. Sorry, no, there's nothing happening. Yeah, I should have done you that. Really That's a way better you, idea. You, you push back. I actually very quickly a, a story when I did that. The room was so, bad that night, but then I've heard it gets it is a lot better than what, oh, what I, I did a, with I it. I used to do it there. all the time, and it was great. You do CAC, and then you go straight there. And because I was all, I'd do CAC first, and then I'd go there, and I was always on late. So I'd always say to Tally, can I go really, really late um, whenever? Because I don't know when I'll be there. And so the one week I turn up, I walk on late, and I had some new bit, and I can't remember what it was, but I did. I just crushed. I did really well, right? Like, And it had been a bit of an up-and-down night, I think. And I'm walking off head held high, you know, this is great. And then the next week I'm running late and I didn't realise how late I was on. And Talia did this thing, it was a very sweet, it was so sweet, but basically the show finished and I wasn't there. And she's like, no, 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 we can't end. Oh. Alex is coming on last. No, he that's crushed so good. last week. You guys have to hang around to see this. He's got this joke about, oh, oh it's something, whatever she said. Was, uh, but everyone just hang on. And she messaged me and she's like, I'm holding the crowd for you. <laughs> Were you just like, no, yeah, I'm driving. Like, and I think like, by then I had like parked and saw the message oh, and I like paying I for parking. I'm like driven into the harbour. And I, I would, <laughs> if she said, I'm going to hold it, I say, don't, I'm done. But the yeah. fact she's like, I can't say now I'm not going up. And I'm just sheepishly there like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I go on and everyone in the room is so mad. <laughs> 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 everyone knows this, I remember a guy who's had his arms crossed and he's just looking at like, tracking me as I walk in. As the big hero, uh, look at look at the celebrity look at drop the celebrity in. Jump in, walk in, and I'm looking back at the crowd, and they're all like, "It's better be fucking good," oh, no. and just like middled so hard, and like it just at least felt you like got a middle. I bombed from well, like it, you know, it, it was like it felt it felt way it felt so much worse than a middle. It was just like it wasn't like yeah. stone silence, and it was at the end of the night. And, you know, normally it's a decent spot, but I was just, she literally, she, she brought me on like, this guy, is he you've been waiting for? Did it? And I did the bit that she said, this, he's got this funny bit about something <laughs> and just got, and that ate it. And I'm, it was so <laughs> sweet of her to do. Yeah, like, it was such yeah. a sweet thing. She's like, no, I want to save your spot. And I was late. So I was like, wasn't really mad or anything. It was just like a complete missed like, <laughs> understanding, but it was just, 
I, it just was very uh, humbling. Oh, anyway, that, that damn. is fucking tragic. Anyway, that's fucking the rocks these days. What do we got, boys? We got some well, I got, history yeah, I got here. A little, um, as our fans love when we dive into the archives oh, and oh, get, yeah. out, get out the old. Uh, <laughs> I've by been, be, prepared, be prepared for the information zone. Yeah, <laughs> Someone on YouTube commented the other day that they learned something from there. They researched something yeah, that it was we wheel said. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some yeah. people like information zone. I think. Look, I mean, <laughs> some people hate the comedy and <laughs> like the information. Some people. There's probably one 16 year old has a assignment on the rocks due on, uh, yeah, well, on Monday, and they get your pad and pen. Email me because right. I just <laughs> my head. 500 words being like, and then he made the girl's mom, <laughs> and they made lots of callbacks to Drew being a midget. <laughs> um, this is uh, just a little flavor of the rocks. So I guess people now. Like you say, it's a touristy zone and it's yeah. fairly ritzy and they have these nice markets there on the weekend. Mm. It's very much an sort of upper class vibe to the and, place. And right? it is. And as much as they try to do the high rise with the Cirrus, the Cirrus building and that, they actually just kept at the same height. There's very, there's very low. There's not a lot of, there's no high rises in that area that they've knocked well, yeah. it down. They've not kicked a lot of people out, yeah. but they've, tr so what that means is when you get there, everything's very low. So it feels like back in the old yes, days. Still. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, was always basically a, a slum and a, and a home to basically your, your ne'er do wells, you know, your your, your criminals. Your well, we need to bring that word. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Research that one. If we don't want to get rid of a slur, let's bring back one. Eighteen hundred ne'er do well. So I got a couple of just like a little scene setter for you for you guys and for you, for your listeners about just sort of what a uh, vibe of the um, of the rocks was. This is from a guy William Jevons, who was a, like, uh, a Renaissance type. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's you know he's everything he's an economist logician meteorologist and he used to just walk around sydney and he'd go to all the areas that nobody was like, everyone was too scared to go to so, <laughs> so he's like ross camp like. pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd, they'd drop him in there and he'd take photos and talk to people um so he describes this is um his description the lower streets of the rocks were still a festering slum of horrible intensity Sewers and gutters were unknown, and the drainage of each house or hovel simply trickled down the hill, soon reaching, as the case may be, the front and back of the next lower house. So people's Damn. shit is literally rolling downhill to <laughs> their neighbours. It's kind of like Chippendale as well, right, in the old times. They're just like, yeah, Similar, shit yeah. in the street, it'll roll down to the next guy, then yeah. it's his problem. Yes, and then he says, more, more often than not, it fetched up against the walls of the lower house, soaking through to the foundations and floors below. Some dug trenches around their homes to divert the sludge, effectively surrounding themselves with filth which brewed up in the sun's warmth every morning and was kept in a, a constant state of moistness by new accretions of liquid filth. So it's like a shit moat. It's you're a, a moat of moat. diarrhea. And you're just lowering the drawbridge down <laughs> <laughs> to get your Stepping mail. Out. Unbelievable. <laughs> so oh. Please enter my abode. I don't yeah. think, yeah, I, like, I don't think we appreciate like plumbing. Like, totally. You know what I mean? Because what, well, what else is, is like, going to happen? Fucking Rome had... Flushing toilets and, and like and this this is that's this hovel is so fucked yeah. that they they literally have shit rolling down the hill. They have shit moats. Everything you read about this time in like the nineteenth century, <laughs> I just love like a you know a current affair now is about the fence too close <laughs> back there. <laughs> your neighbor, yeah. shit. neighbor from hell, <laughs> the neighbor from hell. This guy's had diarrhea for three weeks <laughs> and he won't bloody go see the doctor. <laughs> and the reporter's no, chasing no, him down yeah, the street, like, throwing diarrhea. Mister Johnson, and he's pulling his coat over his head. Oh. Um, yeah, every source from back then mentions just the stink. Like it's just it's crazy, and the um, Harrington Street, which is the one that's on that corner, if you know from Argyle uh, and Harrington, where it becomes like all walkable. Yeah, uh, that was called um, the Suez Canal, which was a pun on sewers because it was just 
full of shit. Yeah. Just yeah, and that was like that's a good pun. Oh wow. Oh, I don't mind it. There was a that that's where the like the gangs would hang out. And um in terms of people, so that's like the the site and the stench and everything. Oh fuck, Drew's opening up a book. <laughs> <laughs> Drew has a leather bound book that he's unbuckled. <laughs> Drew's opening his copy of James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> I was on my lunch break today and I I found this and dropped way too much money on it because I was too excited that I had stuff. Um but it was like it was all like super uh, working class, like I said, ne'er do wells. These Scots Irish. There's gangs. There's prostitution. There's mm-hmm. like, it's just it's just this like weird mix of it's it's like anarchy you know, mm. an anarchist society. Gangs rule. It's yep. gangs in New York. Right? Gangs in New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was heaps of um, sort of uh, antipathy towards like. Anybody in authority. So this is like colonial ACAB. times, right? It, it, this is original ACAB. Cool. Like, and there were riots there all the fucking time. And during the push for like uh, representation of, um, you know, when convicts are coming out and they're like, you know, n- nobody can vote. Mm, yeah. um, the Like this is basically the, the nexus of any time there was riots and stuff, it was always the fucking rocks. So there's like famous riots in the Jolly Miller pub, which is um, somewhere out in the rocks, no, uh, part of the rocks known as Frog's Hollow. Um, this basically describes January 1840. There are a couple of, um, seamen from her majesty's ship Druid. Uh, so they're on a Sunday and they're like, look, we've got nothing to do. Who's up for a Sunday sesh? Yeah. Oh yeah. And the boys start drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this is <laughs> you want to take shit that runs all the way down <laughs> to the neighbor's house, <laughs> just yeah, racing well, shits down. What prank would you do? That's what you're doing on a Monday morning, <laughs> like cleaning them up. I guess <laughs> Mr. Miller's going to be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wakes up, his house is all clean. That'd be crazy. Um, so this is from the Austra- uh, Australasian Chronicle, a radical newspaper. Described what happened next. Uh, they, of course, were a little merry. And some slight disturbance took place between them and the habitants. The constabulary interfered, at which point both parties sided against them. So what happened is these guys are getting hammered. They run into some locals who are like, fuck off. Fuck off tourists. They all start fighting. The cops come and go, locals break this up. Hardy. Both of them team up to beat the shit out yeah, of the cops. Yeah, your enemy, your enemy, <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, and like, so this, this is just a whole chapter about that. Um, and eventually this, this is another newspaper, The Dispatch. Um, this guy basically describes the inhabitants of the rock. So he says, the inhabitants are a separate and distinct people, peculiar in their habits and modes of life and connected together by a feeling resembling clanship. So they're just, it's this weird, like, parallel society Mm. of just, yeah, working class, fucking ACAB, gangs. It's fucking sick. I I, I love it. And this is where the uh, the push comes in, right? Totally, yeah. Yeah. So there were gangs from back then. The push were... Actually, this guy describes um, the way that they were dressed, which is a massive part of the push gang, uh, which were a, a larrikin gang, right? Yeah, which, I, like, just as a side note, that was like the word larrikin, it, it came into existence from these gangs. And it was an English word that sort of meant to lark about. And then England stopped using it and then just came up in Australia as basically, if you're a gang, you know, sort of like gangbanger was larrikin. Yeah. Right, so yeah. you were a larrikin meant sort of almost a bad thing. You were a member of the gang and that's sort of where the word that got Which popular. is so weird to us now to think of like what larrikin is. Yeah. It was like people would be like, fuck, that guy's a larrikin. That guy's Don't a larrikin. Him, yeah, know? he's too much of a larrikin. Yeah. Although kind of helped. Like that guy's a larrikin. He'll shit in the neighbor's house. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. It's, it's same just thing. not as dangerous. Yeah. Um, the, the Rocks Push were one of the famous larrikin gangs. Mm. Uh, they and oh, and sorry. Also, the push I found it took me so long to find, but basically 
they were called the push and they all the glebe push there was all these pushes and they were called push because they would go into bars and just like push everyone out of the way Oh, right. Yeah, really? so I was like, Fuck. it's so I've hard. I've done that a couple of times at the yeah, bar. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they would just like form a big gang and just as a, as a singular mob of people just push everyone out of the way to get to the bar to get like, you know, you can't. Like get to the front of the mob. Get to the front of the pub. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's why they call it push. I couldn't figure it out, but it was just became synonymous with, with gangs. So right. the push. And, and so what, yeah, the rocks what, push were But a big what's one. weird about them is like they're, they're feared, right? They. They will, you know, there's women in, in the gangs and they will like lure sailors yeah. and stuff into alleys and then just guys will jump out, beat the shit out of them, steal their stuff. So they're like very violent. Um, they're, they're absolutely feared. Um, but their dress, this is a, their, their dress is described by Banjo Patterson. Uh, black bell-bottomed pants, mm. no waistcoat, very short black pageant coat, white shirt with no collar and a gaudy neckerchief around the bare throat. <laughs> Their boots were marvels, very high in the heel, and picked out with all sorts of colours down the sides. So they're like a like a drag queen almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? They're, they're wearing high heels. It's a pirate, right? Yeah, like, yeah I guess. And they're not wearing a tie. That they're, yeah. they're like, oh, they, so I've got, guys. A, I've got a photo. This is Ooh. like a sketch we can chuck up on the, yeah, on the video. Yeah, but it's that's, like that's someone. they're literally like the flared. Bell, bell bottoms from the seventies and high heels. That whole shoes. thing, yeah. But like, if you saw a pirate these <laughs> days at like a club, you probably wouldn't be like, "Oh, shit, he's gonna take my piece of eight. You'd be like, "Cool, hat, dude. Like, yeah. where'd you get it?" No. Yeah, well, you'd be like, "You dress as Jack Sparrow for Halloween." Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a bit Larry. I guess that's just like no one would not wear long clothing. So, but I wonder what the well, the short know. coat is just it's bizarre. You know, yeah. it looks it's yeah, it's cut off. It's fucking weird. Um. The, f- the most famous of the push mm. guys, I think you've got. Right? Yeah, Larry Foley. He was the he was the leader. My mum's maiden name, by the way, Foley. Oh, I feel yeah. a kinship to this guy. Okay, like could have been a Foley. There you go, Larry Foley, born in Bathurst, but he moved to Sydney and he taught. Um, he actually got uh, taught how to bare knuckle box, um, by John Perry, um, who was actually African Canadian. Which is like so crazy to me that some guy grew yeah, up in well, Canada, you know, Africa, then moved to Canada, then learned to box, came to Australia somehow. John Perry taught him how to box, but so so Larry Foley was um, he he basically got in a bunch of street brawls, and uh, he was he was part of the Rocks push and uh, leader of the um, the Greens push, which was the Protestant version. So of course they go into Catholic. Wait, no, they were Catholic. Orange was Protestant. Right, right, sorry. Orange, the Protestant enemy. Sorry, he, yeah, Greens, he was Catholic. The Greens Catholic. And he, they were fighting the Orange Push who were Protestant. And so um, he was, uh, you know. Again, insane. Yeah. Like, just yeah. like the, the whole Catholic Protestant thing in, his, in Australia in like the 18 and 1900s, yeah. you, you don't realise like how aggressive and how like salient it was. I, I wouldn't be able to name a single person who would – identifies like, oh, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Protestant. No, it's, like it's, it's unbelievable. So there were gangs and they were like gangs in the, down in the church gangs. You know, and then they were like, <laughs> so no, <sweet>. we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rep yeah the right. <laughs> fuck the pro- Pope, you know, fuck your Pope, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. all this yeah. shit. Uh, so, Way better than Hillsong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, so the baddest, the baddest crew and they split along those lines. But then, um, so Foley was like, you know, became known as a bit of a boxer. Or a bit of a, a brawler, I guess that they call it, bare knuckle boxing. This is 1871, and he uh, got uh, he took on Sandy Ross, who was a leader of the Orange Push, as a, in a big fight. And they actually fought. Um, so they're all in the rocks as gangs, but they went all the way to Como to fight. Um, and uh, Larry Foley beat Sandy Ross in a fight that went uh, 71 rounds. 
something. Before police, <laughs> before police stopped it, it didn't even. They oh, wow. didn't even. Now I read that. And How I was long like, are the rounds? Well, this is the thing, and this is where it got interesting because I was like, "That's unbelievable." Because yeah. it says it went for more than two hours, and I'm like, "Well, that's not what we we consider of rounds." But I looked into it, and back in 1871, this is way before. Um, the Queensbury rules of boxing. And basically back then it was what's called uh, the uh, the London prize ring rules. Um, and so what that meant is a round was called when any opponent hit the deck. So 71 rounds mean they were knocked over 71 I mean, times. That is still hectic. Which that tells me more hectic. more hectic. Right? And 71 knockdowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And so they're not waiting out of the three minutes. Yeah, but yeah. You're getting your ass knocked but to the floor. I, I, what happened is that the rule was when we're fighting, the rules of the fighting was I knock you down, you know, you've, you've got 30 seconds to get back up. And then we keep fighting. If you can't get back up, you lose. People, the boxers, and then realized, okay, if I'm a bit winded because I threw a bunch of big haymakers, I'm just going to sit on the ground and wait for my turn and then sit back up again because there was no scoring. So you could be knocked down uh, 50 times in a row to catch a breath. Yeah. So every so time you... You don't win 10 to 9. You just win when you kill the other guy. That's exactly right, when he can't get up. Or so when the cops come. You throw yeah. a big punch, it misses, and you... You kneel down and go, oh, 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 give me 30 seconds. So that went for 71 <laughs> rounds. Pulled that trick. Yeah, without, without the punch. <laughs> Just kneeling on the ground being like, give me 30 seconds, I'm winded. <laughs> Jamie goes to uh, go over the ropes and he's like, hold on one minute. I just gotta, can I just have 30 more seconds? So, uh, can you spray bacon bits in my mouth, please? <laughs> yeah, the, the cut man. Just, just, <laughs> he's the seasoning man. <laughs> Don't have too much. Just tipping a mouthful of bacon uh, bits. He's anyway. drinking olive oil again. <laughs> so, so this was, uh, but it was actually really interesting to me because I was looking back through the rules and before the London prize ring rules um, before and before and before prize fighting and and street fighting was just obviously there was no rules and then a guy called Jack Broughton killed someone in 1700 um, fighting and he said look we need some friggin rules here he said that so he after he killed someone he said okay this is getting ridiculous this is 1743 (laughs) I'm killing blokes out here so Jack Broughton come out with the Broughton rules and these are in 1743 and he pre-wrote those rules I "I think we need some rules if you kill someone you get your dick sucked okay (laughs) (laughs) and it is retroactive (laughs) it's grandfather Um, so so a bunch of rules very very simple rules you know a square we'd have a square of this many people and you know no one except for the, the, the fighter and his second was in the stage. Um, if you um, you can't hit someone when they're down, that was 1743 they came up with that rule. Um, and this is the, my favourite part of the Broughton rules, number five. You're not allowed to seize him by the ham, the breeches, or any part below the waist. Seize <laughs> him by the ham? Seize him by the ham, which is the back Jamie of the does leg. that to me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> He's had a couple of years. <laughs> so the Broughton rules come in, and then they go on for a little while, and then 70 years later, they come up with the London prize ring rules. And guess what they outlaw 70 years after the Broughton rules? You're not allowed to headbutt. <laughs> you're not allowed to gouge. You're not allowed to scratch, kick, bite. You're not allowed to use resin, stones, or hard objects in your hands while you're punching people. <laughs> so they read from Broughton rules. It was like, I killed someone. Better tighten up these rules. And then 80 years later, like, also, you can't use rocks. <laughs> no yeah. rocks. You can't bash people so with it's rocks. It's great, you know, like how far, like, homophobia has come even now when you realize, like, oh, like, people still have it real hard and, like, in boxing it's just like oh yeah you can fucking hit someone with a rock don't you dare touch their junk exactly funny business let's say come on we're all blokes here. <laughs> <laughs> so so london pricing rules comes in then and they rule out all that other nonsense but you can still 
Um, there, there's still all that stuff that that. So then that was the fight that uh, that Larry fought under. So he was fighting his bare knuckle boxing for a while. Um, and what happened was he, he you know, he beat um, Sandy Ross. And he became the leader of of the Rocks Bush. He was a famous. You know, got him a lot of notoriety, and 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 bare knuckle boxing was illegal, but it was that sort of semi underground illegal where the cops mm. would just turn a blind eye. But it was very underground and, and and popular, and everyone sort of knew him. And it's also like it's not like he was just known as this tough guy. So then, he, he, him getting the leadership was unrelated. That's how every push gang picked their leaders yeah. was bare knuckle boxing. Of course, that was, that was the comp. Like yeah, there was no de- that was the democracy. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and I'm like boy, his neckerchief looks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tightest. <laughs> the tightest jacket. He, yeah, no, exactly. That's our gang. <laughs> totally. So he um, hot topic gang. <laughs> he's wearing a Jack Skellington sock. <laughs> he's here's, cool. Here's another hot topic. Actually, <laughs> uh, this sort of stuff, I guess, would be looking at their phone. <laughs> Being like, I'm home soon, not having fun. <laughs> How long's this train last? Uh, so um, then, okay, so I'll just move on. So Larry Foley, he, so he became famous. He knocked out. Um, anyway, after. 71 rounds the police stopped it they're like come we can't look away for 71 fucking rounds you know so yeah. they come in they fight again um and not he knocks him out in the 28 minute fight i don't know how many rounds but eventually he knocks out um sandy ross so he's absolutely the king and uh basically he was um you know uh famous for it and then what happened was we had all those sort of things ha- bubbling in the background with with the rules but he retired from Prize fighting because it was it was still legal. There's still people dying. This is even after scratching and kicking and stuff because you're still fighting bare knuckle, right? And it was illegal. There was cops all the time, and he was actually quite a smart guy. He was in construction as much as he was a gang member and all that. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to retire. And <clears throat> they were coming out with a Queensbury rule set in the UK, which is again Queensbury rules is <laughs> rocks are back. Yeah, rocks. <laughs> they're back <laughs> in rock form. <laughs> uh, so he's like, you got to in Queensbury. They're like, okay, we're still having people get hurt. Like people in the in the what was it near to dos the un, the opposite of the yeah, near yeah, to do yeah. the to do. Yeah, right. uh, didn't want to come down because there was people would lose teeth and yep. blood everywhere, and and they said we need gloves because what we need to do is to to de- demonstrate the skill and not just have the biggest hulkiest guy. We need someone who has got the skill, yeah. and there's yeah. no. That no, sounds like a classic short guy thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was gonna say you need a Drew. We need a, a, we, know, we know what these are. Like, yeah. You can't, you can't head in futsal. This guy's too tall. This Alex guy. <laughs> <laughs> it should all be played to the feet. We should be. Everyone should fight on their knees. I think. I think we're all on their knees. So, um, you know, basically, they said we need that. We need like if you, three minute rounds. If you hit so all the rules that we have today, that you would imagine, and what is effectively what we know is boxing, as opposed to just fighting or street fighting what is boxing was the queensbury rules and they came out and so um uh foley was like hey this is great this is sort of i really like these rules and i think it's the future of boxing and so um what happened was he he retired but he was still quite big in the in the world and everyone was like you're the you know he he had 20 sorry he also had like 22 bare knuckle fights of his whole career and he won or drew them all so he had a bunch of fights but there was a couple of big ones there and then he's like i'm done and a guy called Jem Mace, who was like the world bare knuckle fighter in the world, the, the, the former bare knuckle champion of the world, he's a British guy. He's also in the same book. He's like, I don't want to bare knuckle anymore. This is the future. He comes to Australia to do an exhibition match. And like, because everyone was saying that gloved boxing was for wimps. Right. And it's not yeah. real fighting. Yeah. And so it was a bit of a... I mean, they have a point. A NFL, <laughs> you know, WWE, WCW, yeah, like which right. way does yeah. it split? 
Uh, for Jamie, Blu-ray, HD DVD, <laughs> Nintendo, PlayStation versus Xbox. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. So there was two camps. If you could explain everything in terms of Final Fantasy VII. So this uh, guy's kind of the cloud. <laughs> yeah, we got a several. <laughs> so it's really a Snickers Mars bar situation. Oh, I'm listening. Both, so you're saying both are delicious. <laughs> yeah. So then they come out, the gem, uh, gem Mace comes out to fight him. And they put on an exhibition with gloves. And they said, see, we're, I was a world champ. He was the Australian bare-knuckle champ. We're putting it on with gloves. We're big men. This is the future. And what happened was a guy, um, a guy, uh, what was his name? But uh, Hickens, a guy, Abe Hickens, a Melbourne guy, was yeah. still a bare-knuckle guy. Oh, it gets worse. Uh, <laughs> of course. He, he's a bare-knuckle guy. And he goes, he goes, you know what? You're not the real bare-knuckle. You're a... You know, a pussy with gloves. I'm the bare knuckle champ. I challenge you to one final bare knuckle fight for the Australian Championship. You Melbourne were never Australian always, champion. Always have to be the most authentic. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah. A real you didn't snobbish. do it down here. Yeah. Oh, it's up there, yeah. you know. And he said, "You've got to come fight me in Melbourne." And uh, I want to see Larry. Yeah, yeah. So, so Larry. So Larry's Hang like. On, I'm getting sports bet up. I want to put some <laughs> money on Larry. Some money on Larry <laughs> so Larry versus Abe Hicken, and it's basically Larry saying, "You think bare knuckles for strong guys?" I think that gloves are for the strong guys, and if I beat you, then the glove. This is the future, right? Is he wearing the gloves loose. versus the bare knuckles, it, or are they just bare knuckles? Bare knuckles only, but it's like you think I'm a wimp, and I'm going to show you you're the best. Well, if I beat you, I'm the best, and if I'm the best, and I want, and I think gloves is the future, then we're the future, right? This so is he, real Berejiklian versus Andrews stuff here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect that one, but yeah, yeah, yeah I got yeah, it. Yeah. I'm on board. It very much. If they just had a big COVID face-off yeah. about uh, can you well, picnic? Well, it's bare yeah. face versus masked face. Yeah. yeah. I think exactly. our numbers are right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then Foley goes down to Melbourne. They set up a fight. It gets aborted by the cops a bunch of times. So then they go, all right, the Victorian cops are a bit crazy. But the New South Wales cops in a blind eye. Let's go all the way to Echuca. Oh, oh yeah. uh, check uh, that episode out. Yeah, check Luke that Amala. episode out for me uh, mispronouncing Achuka a bunch of times. But I, but anyway, we get there. They cross the river and they fight on the other side because Achuka's Victoria. But they just go literally the other side of the river in Moama, right? Um, and they have they've seven hundred spectators catch a train from Melbourne to Achuka to fight. <laughs> That's and a rowdy train. So seven hundred, like you know, Barmy yeah. Army style, like, <laughs> just drinking. Oh, yeah, come on, Hickens, you know, <laughs> and they're just sitting there, just trying to like whatever. So the whole, the whole thing. And here's this: this is a crazy wrinkle in the story. A fight was famously or infamously, or whether it was true or not, but everyone reckons was attended to by Ned Kelly. Oh. In the middle of his bush ranging, like six weeks after he robbed them, um, the that Gerald Derry Bank. That's like when they're like, "Hey, we got the Rock in front row." Yeah, yeah. it's like Ned Kelly's yes. a celeb, fresh after robbing a bank. Yeah, <laughs> like and literally they were all like, "Ah, it's Rock and Kelly," because they were infamous there. They just they had they had they were like six weeks away from being caught and <laughs> shot. You know, so I love how stupid my brain is that I had to think of a celebrity and I had I picked the Rock because we're doing the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Oh, I thought you meant the Rock <laughs> in the ring. <laughs> Wrestling, yeah. and you're just yeah, like, no, the right. you're just like, oh, another celebrity, like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Joe, Ned Kelly and Joe Byrne, one of the other Kelly gangs, are there. So they they basically. Sick. So then he fights. The fight goes down. Fight the first round lasts 23 minutes. Fuck yeah. Um, after hell. after 16 rounds um, of of a big old beatdown, Hicken's men throw in the sponge. Foley wins. Sydney, yes. 600 pounds. Foley was a client, and then Foley cooked. Six hundred pounds. That's a heavy guy. 
So, uh, oh, God. Oh, I thought, he, that couldn't be a joke. He must misunderstand me. And he, I did the no, money. He's written it in a poster. <laughs> if pounds come up, confuse weight with old currency. Underscore will crush. Oh, will that go down uh, as like a David Letterman top 10? Yeah, the worst true riffs on the phone. Oh, no way. Uh, so, receiving 600 pounds. And so, Foley took the train back to Sydney. Um, Jamie's gone. <laughs> lost it. It's point. a funny yeah. bit. Go yeah, on. go on. He took the train back to Sydney, and uh, at every station, the fucking fans, because you know, radio or whatever, or, you know, the word spread, or the people knew, and so then the train pull up, they're like, hey, and they. Still making me laugh. Edit this out. Um, So anyway, that was that was um, you know that was Larry. So he he did so great. He's two couple of extra wrinkles at the end, which I think is really interesting. Um, uh, One, um, I've got a few other things, but I'll skip over them. It's not as interesting. One, um, he is the inspiration of the phrase "as happy as Larry." Hey. Literally, like I was like, oh, that's some dumb thing. Some idiot's gone. Maybe he is. It's true. He's the he's he is happy as happy as Larry. Right. It came out right in the middle of his success. It's only an Australian New Zealand slang. I didn't know that. Really, before. I swear I've heard that. Well, outside of it could have cut like it's yeah. spread, but the first first occurrences for a hundred years were in Australian New Zealand, and Sweet. and it was um so it was the the only other um explanation was people would say it's as like larrikin happy as larrikin no one else could figure out what larry would be apart from him so and the second thing is unfortunately um oh, you know, pedophile yes <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, uh, he was a member of the hillsong congregation <laughs> from 1875 he, he uh, just like another australian hero recently uh, died of a heart attack in a bath spa. Oh no! Just like our hero Shane Warne. Oh, so he, he had a heart attack, uh, very similar to Warney on vacation, uh, having not a in Thailand. A, well, yeah, it says at a Turkish bar, so I don't know. I, I assume yeah. it's like a Turkish bath, like You're in, right. in yeah. Australia. Yeah. Not he was in Turkey in 1970. So I think <laughs> other things were going on there, but um, <laughs> but uh, at a young enough age that it was a bit of a shock. Yeah. So yeah, just a, just another strapping uh, physical hero Damn. legend. I love this dude. Man, yeah. He sounds cool. Yeah, I know. So there you go. So that's Larry Foley, the, the king of the rocks, they called him. Um, and that, well, the you know, king of the push, the king of the rocks. Love so, that. Yeah. Love that. Hero of the rocks. Hero um, of the rocks. I, have a, I have another hero of the rocks, a bit more recent. The rock. The rock. The rock. I agreed to do this. The rock and his son, as I call him, <laughs> the rock. <laughs> Um, this this is Jack Mundy, who I'm sure people have, may have heard the name or are familiar with. Um, but this dude, he kind of is responsible for why The Rock st- still has that look of the the small, you know, no high rises, yeah, 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 that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. old school look. Um, and it's kind of, it's a happy story in certain ways and then kind of like weird in other ways. Like it's a bit of a... Um, kind of lately especially kind of didn't end as well as Jack would have liked. But this dude... Um, Basically, the, this whole story begins with the, there was a big outbreak of the plague in 1900 at the Rocks. Yep. Um, and that kind of, there was the threat from that basically gave the state government uh, a, an excuse to compulsorily acquire everything there. Mm. So it was the slum, you know, it was all the larrikins, Larry's in there, he's taking swings at people. Mm. Sounds like a lab leak theory to me. Mm. The, yeah. My mind's racing. <laughs> I'm coming up with theories. And so the government were like, they clearly wanted to get rid of this slum. Yeah. The, the plague breaks Release out. Release the plague. Exactly. False yeah. flag. And uh, they go in there. They, they they basically go, we own all of this land 
and everybody who lived there became tenants of the state. So they would pay money to the state, pay rent to the state to live there. Of course. There there was no private ownership and private investment basically ceased. Uh, And then it gets to the 30s, the government um, recommended that the slum be cleared to make way for flats, offices and commerce. Um, That didn't happen, but there was some displacement from from building the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which was 28 to 32. Um, and then, of course, the Car Hill Expressway that fucking got rid of a few more houses. So mm-hmm. it's st- slowly starting to <coughs> chip away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, then you get to the 60s. 1965, this dude, uh, the Premier of New South Wales, John Askin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard, heard of this dude. He um, He's kind of interesting, right? He, so he was the, I think, to this day, might be the longest ever serving Liberal New South Wales Premier. By the time he retired, he was the longest or th- second longest s- serving. I think we talk, We might have touched on him in the King's Cross. We definitely would have yeah. because this guy was was he very might, corrupt. The saffron stuff. I think yes. he was saffron, <coughs> yeah. saffron's guy. Yeah. So he um he basically was, there was a guy called um, Galea, Perse Galea, and he ran virtually every pro- like um, illegal casino in Sydney at the time. Mm. And he was paying uh, about 100 grand a year um to to askin just to just a you know, turn a blind eye exactly just he oh. he ran he just ran crime uh well illegal casinos so other people in the crime mm. uh and then in in uh, the 2008 book gentle satan which we've talked about yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. Saffron his son. saffron son wrote that uh, askin was on his father's uh payroll and that his father had an excellent business relationship and long-standing friendship with the premier and that uh along with the police commissioner norm allen abe was paying the two men Five to ten thousand a week during the sixties. Oh shit! With the 60s. a week in the sixties. That's so that's a lot of money. Yeah, because basically when he like he's he's um he was the lo- yeah like I said longest liberal uh, premier of New South Wales. Mm-hmm. He but nobody in the Liberal Party will talk to talk about him. They they've right. kind of like dusted their hands of him because of all this corruption, which is like it's never been. It's pretty much proved, but it's never been conclusively proved. There's still people like he wasn't corrupt and. Anyone who's looked into it's like, well, come on, dude. He was earning this much, yeah. and he re- he died with with fucking this much. Like, he was earning a his a- annual salary of six thousand six hundred dollars a year. Sick. He's getting an annual salary every week. No, this yeah. is well more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. you mean from, in from stuff? Yeah. So that so the equivalent, like, I mean, I'm assuming Perite's on like two hundred grand a year. Or yeah. Two, you know what I mean? So that would be like getting two hundred grand a week from. Yes. Oh, so if people did the figure, this is figures from the New South Wales Parliamentary Library. He was earning that. Uh, Fifteen years as an MP. Um, they basically added it all up over, over his career. You're looking at about three hundred and seventy-five grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died six years later, left an estate one point nine million. Uh, his wife three point seven million. <laughs> so everything's in his wife's name. Hey, listen, I know the pokies. Okay, I got him down. Oh man, you say that when questioned about his wealth, Askin always attributed tr- attributed it to the- <laughs> <laughs> He said it was uh, from his salary from the public office, his frugal lifestyle. Good investments and canny punting. Oh, <laughs> man, you're up. really stretching if you can't think of a third line. Like, oh, <laughs> lady luck. <laughs> That's <what I> mean. <laughs> that rule. rule. So him and this, um, him and the police commissioners at the time were just blatantly corrupt. In cahoots. Um, which is another just a small anecdote uh, for corruption at the time. There was this dude Merv Wood who was a police commissioner in the seventies, which fucking killed me. This is like this is just after the end of Askin. Uh, when Neville Rand was the premier and the casinos were so rife around town, Neville Rand ordered the police to close the casinos in 1977, publicly ordered it. The police commissioner said that 
that would be a little unfair because it was so close to Christmas and you'd lose 300 jobs out of the casino. Yeah, that's sick. It rules. Yeah. Like, he's like, how could you do how you, you break these little kids' hearts from their dads. Yeah, it's like a casinos. current premier being like, we can't have people not selling drugs. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know. Hey, listen, there's a lot of people who work on the, uh, you know, the in the airways that fly yeah. to Epstein's Island. So if we shut <laughs> yeah, those routes a, down, there's a lot it. of flight stewards. <laughs> that's um, the, so in 65, he becomes the Premier and he seeks the advice of the head of, of Canberra's National Capital Development Commission, a bloke called John Overall, uh, who by all accounts, he's an ex-military man, by all accounts very charming, but very like no-nonsense, doesn't doesn't care for, for your riffraff. Mm-hmm. Um, an Alex White type. Oh, yeah. And two years later, Overall. two years later, this uh, Overall presents his report um, to the New South Wales Parliament outlining everything he recommends. And the reason they're kind of into this is because Canberra's National Capital Development Commission just gave, like, rough... Sh- allowed developers to uh, ride roughshod over anybody. There's no local council. Everything's mm. in this one commission. Design, like, the builders. Like, it's all one place. And so if you if, if they go, hey, um, we're building this uh, road here, and you're like, well, I've, you know, I've got a shack here. And they're like, yeah. well... You, no, you don't. Yeah, there's no like council. There's yeah. no submission for there's any, no, know, there's nothing uh, you DA do. or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of the so they the gov- New South Wales government adopt his scheme and they uh, quote embraced with enthusiasm his recommendation that a special redevelopment authority be established to implement it. And um, basically, this uh, this ba- this is the spark that uh, lit the fire um, that basically led to this is a direct quote from this article: blood in the streets, lockouts of building sites, police arrests, massive street demonstrations. And eventually, the very famous BLF, which is the Builders Labor uh, Builders Laborers Federation Green Ban of seventy one to seventy three. Mm. Um, in the in the background as well, at this time, the Asking government had amended some provisions in the Lo- uh, Landlord and Tenant Act, basically removing the obligation of the landlord to compensate or pay for people to move if they boot them out. And the <laughs> landlord in this case is the government so they're just like mm. yeah they're like listen the neighbor is shit is still running in the mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, well yeah lj hooker like listen we've, oh, we've talked to the landlord and they've told you to get fucked yeah. um, so imagine like the landlord's the situation sucks today so imagine the yeah, 70s yeah like they, they can just kick you out without even they can boot you out any conversation or warning or anything yeah, exactly you're oh, out on the street you got nowhere to go uh, so in 1970, the Sydney Cove Redevelopment Authority is established. Um, and this is basically like um, this dude, uh, what's his name, overall, and the head of the Sydney Cove Redevelopment Authority, a guy named Maggie, um, they visit all these overseas places. And it's kind of at the height of like high progressivism where it's like we, developers or, or planners know how to plan a city better than it could ever just arise by mm. people building where they wanted to build. Yeah. So they're all big. They go to all these places like La Defense in Paris. If you've ever been, that's like the only place with high rises in power in Paris. Um, and they come back with this design. So the, the resulting design was a cluster of brutalist tower blocks stepping down to the ridge and the harbor's edge, ranging in height from 30 to 50 stories, accommodating offices, retail uses, luxury hotels and apartments. A labyrinthine, uh, labyrinthine system of underground car parks made sure that motorists uh, would not be inconvenienced. 
So it's this weird, like, futuristic, like, can you imagine a 50-story building at, at the Rocks? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And, 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 like, you know, some sort of, like, Broadway-style car park that you just, like, yeah, you yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. how horrible it would be yeah. to drive I love they say they're not going to be inconvenient. Yeah, oh, mate, when I'm going down in level, like, 12F, <laughs> just like, is that a car park? No, it's a small fucking car. And now I'm 40 years from getting, yeah, yeah no way. Um, so this, uh, this Owen Maggi dude, um, who was the first head of this organization? Hated unions. Hated. The, he called them thugs. Oh, uh, he's re- he actually wrote Larrikans, a book about it. <laughs> thugs, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a book about it, and he has a um, a chapter called "Riots on the Rocks," and it makes it he makes it abundantly clear that for him, the unionists were thugs, a mob, uh, screaming rioters, conspirators, drunkards, a member of the power mad. Union intent to rule by violence. So he doesn't. He fucking. What a fucking loser. He doesn't like this. An unbiased account by the guy who who started (laughs) the truth. (laughs) The truth. Um, And so you've got the leaders in the uh, BLF, of which Jack Mundy. He was the secretary, so he was kind of the voice of the BLF at this time. And Premier Askin and Owen Maggi, as you can imagine, fucking hated. Of course, this dude, right? So from about seventy to seventy three, it's just like skirmishes all the time. Um, there's a Rocks Residents Action Group that's formed, and they just led by longtime residents who have built this relationship with Jack Mundy because he's on their side. He's like member of the Communist Party. Actually, fun fact about Jack that I loved: he moved from Queensland to Sydney to play footy and play for the Eels for three seasons. Wow, really? So, yeah, and then he was just like got a job as a labourer, and he um, like rose Picked up. up communism. At yeah, some yeah, point yeah, along at some the way. Point. Yeah, um, and he. He sort of worked with them. 72, some bulldo- uh, bulldozers move in to commence demolition. There's a big confrontation with the residents, and that basically leads the Federated Engine Drivers and Firemen's Association and the Amalgamated Metal Workers Union in joining the Green Band. So, like, the guys are like, we've finally, we've got this pesky Monday. The, bu- the bulldozers are there. They think they're on, and they have, like, a quiet chat. And then it's the same as, like, the two people meeting up in the cop, t- both yeah, turning on yeah. the cops, yeah, yeah, right? Well, that's yeah. what they probably never counted for, which is that the unions, like, individually have not heaps of power. But the moment you're like – and that's what all u- good union movements are. It's exactly. like, all right, you're going to fire all the firemen, and they're like, okay, you know. Oh, whatever, you know, and then we're like, all right, the, this union isn't going to fucking support it or not. And then all of a sudden you can't get anyone to turn up with a bag of sand. Yeah, exactly. Fucked, yeah, exactly. And so, well, that's what kind of happened here with these green bands because there there's been lots of different green bands and traditionally it's more like there was one, I think Kelly's, Kelly's something across the harbour where it's like virgin bushland and they don't want development there. And that, I get, I, I that's think. That's probably where the green party Well, that's where from. the green party came yeah, from, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so they're like, no development. This was more like there was development there, but they had like this social sort of, you know, people had lived there. It forever. wasn't done the right way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, so they um, just said, no, this ain't going to happen. Yes. And um, 73 is when it really comes to a head and it starts getting like a lot of public attention because um, the residents and four members of the BLF barricaded a demolition site on Playfair Street end up climbing up into the roofs of buildings and into trees, just like pelting police. The police are like getting violent with people, dragging them away. Uh, a, f- a few people got arrested, Jack Mundy amongst them. Um, this dude uh, in this book, Leviathan, uh, John Birmingham describes it as a two-week-long battle with thousands of unionists walking off site. 
Yeah. And that's like across the, the city. So yeah. unrelated people, they're just like, well, no, fuck, we're and, moving. Yeah. And on, and like you think about that time, if you're like some like 18-year-old tradie or whatever and you're in some union and they're like, all right, like, you know, how about we go here into the rocks and we're going to throw sit in a tree and throw shit at cops and yeah. punch on. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Let's Absolutely. Like it's just like licensed to be a, you know, that would fucking, yeah. and, so many people. And from that, I mean, it got a lot of public attention and, from that, the community kind of backed them. They were like, well, you know, you're kicking these fucking people out, yeah. you know, kicking them out of their homes. Mm. Um, and in 74, the government basically like did an about face and had to like crawl home with a towel between their legs. They end up losing a shitload of money on all these like investments that they had promising yeah. people, like all these towels and stuff. Um, they accepted the people's plan. And like to this day, like Jack Mundy, he's... Um, He's like a legend there. I mean, he's dead now, but he's got like a big bronze plaque in Rock Square. He's got a street named after him in 2007, Jack Mundy Place, and a big mural in Globe Street of yeah. this guy. He's like a local legend. And um, yeah, he's like single-handedly responsible for like keeping the rocks together, which is kind of like now it's kind of weird because people who were, who did get kicked out, that's why the serious building was built. And yeah. to to get the displaced people when they were making the bridge and right, stuff, and now right. they've turned for them people. Well. So it's like he's like the original keep Portland weird guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what? it is weird because like back then, I'm like, I love this Jack Money dude, and it's this is like a clear, you know, David versus Goliath kind of battle. Very clearly, at least to my mind, who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, and then this kind of started the whole like heritage movement of you know we don't want development, which now. Is fucking seventy-year-old rich people who are like this toilet block from the seventies? Oh, yeah, yeah, don't yeah, get yeah. me fucking and started. Like, that's yeah, why our house not price, get out. That's why I can't buy fucking <laughs> Newcastle fig trees. Google that. <laughs> yeah. Google that. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, Ten it's, years to cut down a couple it's of trees. Like he's a hero, and I like the story. But, but I'm that, also like, it's like, yeah, man, you can, you, your, your legacy is going to yeah. be hijacked by these fucking boomers who don't want property prices to fall. So I can't. shit. Of course it is. But yeah, no, that's right. But when he did it, it wasn't like. Oh, all these people with their fucking like, it, but, yeah. you know, it's it's fucking people in social housing yes, and exactly. shit who are going to be Public put housing. out, not people who are annoyed because there's going to be. Cool. There's a lot, man. Like you could totally make a movie out of out of this era. There's so it's so much interesting. Like this, the, just the characters, the corruption, the crime. Who would you everything. cast as Jack Mundy, Andrew Bensley? Uh, yeah, I'd think. Andrew <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you've already submitted self tapes <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> no, I'm Larry Foley, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and if yeah. we ever do a Darlinghurst, an underbelly at least. Still fucking underbelly. No movie yeah, to an underbelly. An you know, <laughs> if they ever, if we ever do a Darlinghurst episode, there's some stuff that follows on from this with with Askin, which is like insane. They're so doing an underbelly about that chick who fucking stole money and then just don't. And they don't even know what happened. She's dead. We can just write it. They don't know what happened. She don't know. What are they gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. She just walks in the water. Send the script to Channel I'm Nine, fuming. and it says written by the Community Notice Board boys. I was, I was like, yeah. What's the anyway? Sorry, I'm fuming. Yeah, underbelly's got. And the belly's good. I like in the belly, but job. do a fucking decent story, not one Very idiot. good podcast. You yeah. hear the 600 pounds thing? Yeah, Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's what the underbelly fans want. A dumb pun that we make fun of. I mean, we're at an hour. Well, yeah, I don't we, know. We, we, got one we, may, we may have started. This one's pretty long. 
Oh, so, maybe we won't have time. So we could do a part two. Maybe, I reckon we got, I got maybe, heaps more Maybe here. get someone else in to talk about it as well. Yeah. Like, just like a friend of ours. I, you know what? Just I, just like, mm. <laughs> I think we should ride solo on How this about one. this? I got a very short story. It's a good, which is, which is an uplifting I'd love recent people one. being like, Jamie didn't do any research. He just told a story about someone's mom running <laughs> an open <laughs> mic. No, I reckon we do a part two because I have heaps more of other things. That I, I mean, I've got up. quite a long one that'll probably take like 10 or 15 minutes oh. if we did a part two. So. We could do a 10 minute no. Oh yeah, like well, six year for an well, hour twenty. Yeah, no, but we'll I'm do your small thing. Yeah, and then we'll do uh we'll do a rocks itinerary, uh-huh. and then we'll plug Everly we comedy. We do rocks itinerary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I well, I just I just thought it'd be interesting at the end because it's more uh it's more interesting to us because uh basically there's a there's a there's a store in the rocks called Sticky. Have you guys seen this? No. It's a lolly shop. Oh, and um, now I'm listening. Now you're listening. <laughs> I have no idea who Jack Mundy is. <laughs> After that, Jamie doesn't like Mondays. So. <laughs> <laughs> loves lasagna though. He loves lasagna. Mind um, lasagna. I was waiting for 20 minutes to do that pun, and I couldn't get it in. There is a there is a fucking um another store that's called the Rocks Push now, and it's like sells trendy board shorts and shit. Uh, yeah, because like, I looked up the Rocks Push, no. and like the first two pages are board shorts. Yeah. And I was that's like, fuck some off. LA store with like the Crips. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, boogie exactly. boards. It's yeah. like, come on, dude. <laughs> um, but anyway, so sticky is that they make their own candy. You know the hard that that, that yeah, and they candy. roll it out and they stretch it and you know whatever yep. it is. But um, they went under during COVID, like on the like it's owned by this guy and his wife. They quit their job like ten years ago. It was quite long standing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so like oh sorry, like twenty years ago they they were corporate people and they quit their job, did the dream of like we're just going to open a lolly shop. We don't know what we're doing. They opened up in the rocks and they were very mm. famous in the <laughs> rocks. Uh, what? Yeah, just it's Jamie's dream. <laughs> just three people qu- quitting their jobs to live the dream. Just gonna hit some. <laughs> oh, wait, wait till you hear how it ends and uh, it'll re- so uh, <laughs> the hang. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because this, this is uh, this will be very uh, interesting. In the end. So basically, they they the, the mum and dad do that, and it's a big glass storefront, and people are in the rocks because the rocks used to be like. People not from Sydney. It's like where mm. the um, yeah, you can also go around there when you're looking at the Opera House and the bridge and yep, stuff. So even if you're not going to the rocks, you're you're around that yep. area. And um, so they would make lollies, and people would come in and buy them. I think I've been to this place. I'm sure you have. It's qu- it's quite famous. But during you're COVID, sure I have. I'm not, sure, maybe not true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, your name comes up in the article. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest fan, Jamie Kirk. <laughs> I've been to a We're, pub that claims to be the oldest pub in Sydney. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> more, more yeah. I've been there too. Have somewhere good to well, find some table to eat your candy. That at. was. I had other stuff on those that we can do next time. Yeah, we'll actually. Do next time. Um, but um, so then basically, COVID hit. Right. This is 2020, March 2020. If you can't remember. Um, COVID, if you can't <laughs> recall COVID at all. Um, COVID? I, I can't, because um, of long COVID and yeah. give me yeah. brain damage. <laughs> uh, 600 what? <laughs> 600 pounds? Um, That's a big boy. So then they basically, uh, their revenue drops to zero, right? Because they've just like, it's just a walk-in shop. <laughs> Nobody's going to take away candy. Like, that's right. And yeah. so, so they were the doing- big pub boom they were doing like, you can get a tinny in a can and stuff. And they're like, you can get rock candy. Well, they were doing <laughs> 10 online orders a week oh. around COVID. The dad is like, I'm I'm stuffed. He's 50 years old. He's like, I don't know what to do. He's got a daughter. Only 50. Um, wow. A daughter is Annabelle. And she's like, you know what we should do, dad? We should start filming on TikTok. Hey. And so they start making their candy- and filming it and putting it on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. And in the basically, like, in the first week, like, they had 60 viewers. Uh, a year later, they have 581,000 subscribers, 1 million followers Whoa. on Facebook, 
Monthly reach of 45 million people. Holy. Drew going to be emailing oh. these people tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. like, How do we get our reels above 100? <laughs> yeah. The dad was like, I was distressed. I was devastated. I was in a daze. I thought it was the end. We were standing staff down. We're about to pull the doors down. Like we were done. We're running out of JobKeeper. They had to borrow money Annabelle from friends. Saves. The daughter was like, you know, dad, let's get in the new age. So basically they were filming this stuff. Putting so if all over YouTube and TikTok and everything, they film them making the candy, and it's just like one of those things that you just watch, and it's like, wow, that looks so cool. And someone in Snoop Dogg's realm shared it. Snoop Dogg saw that, retweeted or restored it on, I think Instagram or something, and their their followers shot up by one point five million in a single weekend. When Snoop Dogg, of all people, so they they basically just went absolutely. Ultra viral, and the, the Mr. King's going. It melts down the website. Basically, like they, they sell out uh, in like even now, people are back in. They still sell eighty percent of their stock around the world: Germany, Italy, Canada. They they put stock every Friday. They sell out in ten minutes. Whoa, man! That's so that's because cool. of Snoop D O Double G, Snoop D O Double G, and Annabelle. Who, what a collab. Um, yeah. So that's a, like a real positive. That's a heartwarming story. Heartwarming to story to end. Oh, so Sticky. Lovely. I think they're just called Sticky. But anyway, Sticky, sticky, sticky Rocks Rick, or whatever. Ricky Stewart. Owned. Sticky, <laughs> sticky Stewart. Yeah. yeah he, no, mm. it wasn't his idea. <laughs> Ricky Stewart's yeah. not doing TikToks. Man, much. Sticky, if his store went out of business from COVID, he'd be throwing some chairs. <laughs> <laughs> just blowing up there. <laughs> um, but there you go. So follow right. them and follow us on TikTok. Try, yeah, if, you know, oh, if, you, if you know Annabelle, Snoop Dogg, Annabelle, do you consult Snoop? Um, give us a retweet, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. No, I think we got. I just want to retweet one. the worst podcast in the world. <laughs> hey, hey, come on, come on. It's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to retweet. Uh, I tell your mother we ate it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my one. It's my old one. Uh, um, yeah, we're we're on all social media: Instagram, TikTok. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can email us too. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch all our episodes. Mm-hmm. If you know anyone who likes pods, recommend us. Yes. We love a recommendation. We, we would love reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as long as they're five stars. Mm-hmm. The people that do less. If you, if you do less, uh, send it to us and we'll uh, <laughs> yeah. negotiate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we yeah. can all now go to Pancakes on the Rocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And have a couple of those couple big of beers at Lombra. Yeah. And if you like Information Hour uh, and uh, writing solo apps, let yeah, us know. We'll, let us be, know. we'll be back so in we three stress. weeks when we forget to book a guest. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. thanks so much we'll for everybody. See you guys later. See you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.